Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Opt-In NYC podcast brought to you by the New York City Police Foundation and the New York City Police Department. I am one of your hosts, Officer Joe Galetta, and I am joined once again this week with Kayla and John. And this week we have our special guest, Officer Manguel. Officer Manguel is from which precinct now? The 42nd Precinct. And that covers? Uh, the South Bronx. So a little bit different from last time where we had an officer from Queens in Ozone Park. John Gale, off the bat, you guys have any questions for him? My, my first question, like we mentioned, is quite different than having a cop that's um, from Queens. How is, you know, neighborhood policing and policing in general in the Bronx? Because there's this big stigma, especially in, you know, quote unquote, New Yorkers about the Bronx. And there's just this, um, you know, the shadow over it. Well, to be honest with you, uh, policing the Bronx is very, very different. Um, we, our community is based mostly on minorities. We have a lot of Afro-Americans, a lot of Latinos. So we do interact with a lot of um, Hispanics and minorities in the Bronx. Um, so it's very different how we interact with them, how you will interact with somebody from Queens or from Manhattan. It's very different. We have a, very, a lot of different cultures in the Bronx that if you don't take the time to learn the culture and learn your people, it will be very hard for you to communicate with them. Where do you live now and how does that relate to how you interact with people in the Bronx? Well, I grew up in Spanish Harlem. Uh, I live now in Suffolk County. I first started my career in the Bronx. I'm still in the Bronx. And can you just tell us kind of your background and how you got to becoming a police officer? I was recently married. Uh, I was working as a handyman in a a building in Park Avenue. Uh, I wanted to uh, get a career where I could um, really enhance myself and learn more. Um, So I joined the police department with the desire to learn and to help my 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 community, especially my family members. Um, my, my family is very um, different than I am. So I want to educate my family and not fall into a system where they're always going to be either losing or, not, or winning. I love that answer. I love that answer a lot. A lot of times when you, when you usually ask um, an officer, you always hear the answer of like, I want to help, you know, people want to help the community. Um, but not, you don't always hear them say, you know, particularly my family, but you decided kind of go to something bigger than your family, but you knew it would still help them and protect them. And I just, I think that's, 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 that's amazing. I mean, I think if, if you can't help your own people, how can you help somebody else? If you can't educate your own people, how can you educate somebody else? So it always starts at home. Your education starts at home. And if you can help your own people increase and get better, then that, that gives the opportunity to expand to other people as well. Because remember, you know, I can't connect to everybody, but if I can connect to one person, that person can connect to somebody else. And then you're, you're, you're passing on what you have learned to the next generation. That's, that's very key. So speaking about connecting with the community, how do you feel like training as a police officer contributed to helping you connect with people? And, or did a lot of it come from you just having to learn that yourself? The job did teach me some valuable keys uh, a lot of it, I, I learned myself. I'm still in the process of learning. I'm still studying. Um, I'm, I'm learning to listen what the concept is, listen with the third ear, um, sit down and just listen to people, understand where they're coming from, understand their pain, and try to relate to them. You know, And if you can't relate, then it's okay you can't relate, but try to help people. But sometimes just being present, it's the most important thing in the world, is just being present with somebody and let them ear. So did you say um, third ear or did I, did I mishear you? Yes, the third ear. Can you talk more about that? What do you mean by third ear? Well, th- I, I believe that when people talk, they, there's always a hidden message within their talking. 
um, with when I did domestic violence for about uh, a year, um, I was able to really listen to people's pain through the words and the things they were telling me. They were not telling me they were in pain, but the words were telling me they were in pain. And that, that allowed me to be more an effective uh, domestic violence officer and I was able to help many people because I didn't see the person just as a person. I saw their pain, I saw their story, I heard them, and I was able to help them in the areas they need help with. Wow, that's really interesting because you always hear people talking about a third eye, but you never really hear about third ear, and that makes so much sense in that context and where you have to learn to see beneath the surface of a person and be able to use that to help heal the conflict or um, resolve a conflict. So that's really cool. Um, just uh, going off of that, what would you say is the most... Um, interesting experience that you've had as a police officer or something that really stood out to you in your career? Well, uh, in the 14 years, I've encountered many, many things. But one of the things that really touched me, um, that made, that really changed my life around was when I, uh, I had a, I still feel it, um, I had a young boy, child in my hands who, ha who went limp. Uh, he wasn't breathing. Uh, we were stopped by the mom and the family members in the street in the Lyman place. And um, my sergeant grabbed the child and I was in the police van. And as my as I was driving to the hospital, um, my, my boss was uh, uh, performing CPR him, doing the chest compressions. And we got to the hospital and we got there right on time. We were able to bring this child back to life. Um, that for me was uh, a life changing because a couple of years after that, I had lost another child in my hands. Um, and this event changed me as I, you know, I look at every individual as their life is in my hands and I have the uh, ability to bring them back to life. And that's the way I look at, I look at people, you know. That's amazing. Yeah. A lot of people don't really think about the kind of, um, psychological experiences that police officers have to go through in their career. Um, so how do you think you've been able to deal with like the mental aspect of it? And have you had any outside sources to help you deal with that? That's a very good question. Um, I do have an outsource. Uh, he is my mentor. He's my pastor, uh, Dr. Daniel Rodriguez. Um, he's been my mentor for about, about eight years. Um, so I go to him. He's a retired police officer as well. Um, he has a master in psychology, so we, I talk to him. Um, and also, um, I'm also in the process of um, taking a course of psychotherapy as well, which um, helps me understand myself and understand the people as well. I think as an officer, we have to um, make it a priority to outsource and, and learn different things and know how to cope. It's a different world we live in. Um, but if, if we know how to cope correctly, we could be more successful. Yeah, I think... I think, unfortunately, when it comes to to mental health with a lot of city workers and with a lot of police officers, it's 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 overlooked. And unfortunately, I think it's really overlooked by a lot of the communities that, you know, you spend a majority of your life trying to protect. And, you know, then thank you for being open and sharing that story with us. I really appreciate that. What do you have to say? Like, I, I feel like there's, there's officers out there who unfortunately might not take the steps that you might take when it comes to their own mental health. Um, because uh, uh, there's this, you know, again, people think that, you know, cops are these machines, these robots. And I know in some events it might even get to the officer and they might think the same thing. Like, what would you say to, to another cop that's kind of making that choice of, 
you know, do I want to really acknowledge this and get help for it? Or do I want to just keep it going like a normal day? I think the, the first problem we have is, um, as officers, we, we're scared and we're ashamed of actually speaking the truth sometimes. Um, because what are, what are people going to think of me? You know, what are they going to say of me? Would I lose my position? Would I lose my gig? And would I lose my gun, my shield? Can I, you know, can, there's other stress levels that we have to understand. You know, they lose their gun, their shield. They, they can't feed their families. They can't be on patrol. You know, there's other things that we have to, you know, address. But to answer your question, I, I want to let those officers know that there are people out here that are trained and are, are learning um, that are willing to help you and to, um, and to empower you. Um, that we are, we, we human beings, you know, we suffer like everybody else suffers. You know, um, there's been moments that my wife had to embrace me and I, I cried when I lost that child in my arms one time, you know, and the next night I had to go back to work and I, like nothing was, no, everything was normal. Um, it's a different level of stress, but there are people that are trained and I, I, I empower officers to seek help and to seek people they can trust, you know, um, people that they can rely on, that they know that it will stay with themselves. And also, you know, we have to be, um, the community has to be, understand the level of stress we deal with every single day. It's not, it's not the same stress. You know, um, when you make your home, the, the, you breathe different. You know, when you go home, as much as you don't want to carry that stress on you, you still carry on you. You know, you, it burdens your family, burdens your kids. But I think with the proper channels or proper people trained to just listen, um, and just be present and listen to officers, I think that'll be a step forward for healing. I think a lot of people would really encourage officers to speak more of their truth and be able to have the opportunity to listen because I think, I know a lot of people in my circle feel like um, police officers might not be able to feel like they can speak about things or how they're um, experiencing things. And so definitely having a platform for officers to just be more open and honest about the experiences they go through would be extremely helpful for both sides, I think, because it would help have a better understanding of of each person. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a great point. So you kind of touched on you being a pastor. Correct. Uh, can you talk more about how that goes into um, your experience as a police officer and how did you get to that point? Well, I was a youth pastor in the confines of Fort 2 as I was a cop there for three and a half years. All my life, I've, I served the Lord. Um, I was called to pastorship about five years ago. Um, and I think that being a pastor has taught me how um, to listen. Sometimes as a pastor, we more occupy preaching and shouting, but not listening. And has given me the opportunity to sit with people and listen to people and bring um, healing to the soul of the person and deal with them in the soul. I mean, just because you're smiling doesn't mean you're, you're, you're happy. Sometimes people put a, a facade up, you know, and that's when the third ear comes in, listen to that inner message. Um, and it, ha it has taught me to be um, understanding. And I, I, my, my church is very diverse. I have a very multicultural church, so I deal with many different people. Um, and that has taught me to understand culture understand the people that I'm speaking to, I'm dealing with. And as a cop, it has taught me that in the South Bronx, I have a different culture. Um, I have to listen to their pain. I have to listen to their struggle. I, I have to sometimes remove the shoes of a cop and put myself in their shoes and say, I, 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 I can understand what you're coming 
coming through what you're saying to me. So it, it's helped me in both aspects. It has keep me centered. You know, I'm, I'm, because I'm a man of faith, I trust God. And I think I'm here for a purpose. And I'm here to help people heal. And that's what I'm here for. That's interesting because a lot of the, some of the cops that we've talked to, they do a lot outside of being a police officer too. No one really thinks about how cops obviously are human beings who have so many different aspects of life and they come together. Um, and I feel like it's really cool that it, you being a pastor kind of goes into you being a police officer and how you interact with the, with the community. So that's, that's great to hear. I think it's an amazing dynamic, honestly. And, you know, like Kayla was saying, a lot of times people just look at the uniform and just the fact that no one's going to unfortunately look at you in uniform, whatever you may be wearing and say, you know, that person's a pastor, this person's a family man, you know, this person, you know, goes and does this and has this hobby and this, and, and, and that causes so much judgment. And then, you know, like you had mentioned as well, if you have police officers who are scared and you have communities who are scared and it's just double-edged sword. And I think honestly what you're doing and when you come to work and you come to work with your intentions as you stated, I think that's a really pure thing. I think, like I said before, I think that's, that's amazing. And if you had to choose, I mean, what do you think comes first for you? Like, are you a family man first? Are you a man of faith first? Or are you a police officer first? That's a very good question. Um, but just to make a statement, the first thing, there, there are many pastors that are cops in this job. We just very quiet about it uh, because of uh, the stigma over it. You know, um, you're a pastor, you're a cop, you have a gun on you, you know. And like I think John said the best, people just see the uniform, they're so judgmental, but they don't see the work that we do behind the uniform. Um, to answer your question, it's, it's, it's kind of hard. Uh, I think there's a saying in the NYPD, that once you're a cop, you're forever a cop. Um, but I, um, this, is, this is the way I identify myself. I am a man of faith. I'm a Christian, I'm a family man, and I'm a police officer. So my faith always comes first, uh, my family always comes first, and my community. Um, because without them, I, I won't have a job. That's great. Yeah, a lot of um, a lot of people have been thinking about how intersectionality kind of plays into people's identities. And so um, speaking as someone who's black and a woman and you can't really rank how you identify in those things. So I think the same could be said about police officers and how a lot of your career is a part of you too. And it's not just something separate from who you are. And um, to be able to acknowledge that you can be a bunch of different things and not just one really specific thing um, is, is great to help people kind of understand more how police officers are more than just the uniform. One thing we have to understand that you know, a pastor is a servant of his community, his church. A police officer is a servant to his community, his people. So at the same time, doing, I'm still performing the same duties, just in different, with different uniform. But I still remain who I am. It's my faith, you know. So that's why I treat people with dignity and respect, because that's my, what my faith tells me to to treat people. We're all the same. So I don't let my uniform or anything else diverse me from my thoughts or my faith. I am who I am, but just I'm doing the same job in a different uniform. Something that's 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 interesting. I, I was thinking about this when we were talking about the uh, like the the different the different uniforms. Like you have like the the uniform of a pastor and of a police officer. And I was thinking about how we 
we as a society tend to have these stigmas and these opinions on every single, you know, for lack of a better words, outfit or costume or uniform someone has. We look at a, a at a pastor or someone of faith and we automatically have all these pre-judgments of what this person might, this person might not like this, this person might not like that. If you look at a police officer, we have the judgments. You know, we look at a construction worker. People always think, okay, this person probably drinks, this person, this person's that. We look at a, a theater kid. This person's probably part of this community or that. And how... You know, if, in terms of people who who know about these different hats that you wear, what's the energy you kind of received? Because, you know, like you said, the stigma of a pastor and the stigma of a police officer are completely different. And then even a stigma of someone who's a family man might be different from a pastor or a police officer. Have you seen any negative energy around that? Have you received positive? Uh, yes. And... In the beginning, um, I always told people what I did. I'll be, I'm a pastor. Um, and then I'll ask them, do you really want to know what I do for a living? I was preparing them from that. I stopped doing that um, because I told, I told myself I have to ha- allow the people the chance, give them the chance to get to know who I am, not as an officer, nor as a pastor, but as an individual. And that will open the window for me to talk to them in any level I need to speak to them, which also allows me to give them the chance to speak to me as an individual. I think when we look at people with uniforms and, and titles, we don't give them a chance to be genuine and be transparent. So I was saying, I tell my church this, what you see is what you get. I am who I am. I'm Nelson Joe Manguel, kid from the from Spanish Harlem that came from the nothing and made some, something and I'm here to help you. It's not about being a cop, it's not being a pastor, it's about being a human being, being an individual. I want you to get to know who I am as a person. And that's what I do with people. You know, get to know me, then I'll tell you what I do for a living. So that there's no stigma, there's no comment, there's no, you know, no, know me for me. That's it. Have you had anyone kind of... Um, gain a negative stigma about you because when you finally told them that you are an officer? Uh, yes. Um, that actually threw me out the place too. But um, <laughs> um, I, it was a, I think it was a life lesson for me that it showed me that not everyone's willing to see the individual I am. And we have to be okay with that. Not everybody's prepared to receive the individual you are. Time will come. Just have to give the people time. And that's why, you know, we had in this, the job we're in today, we have to give the community time to know who we are. And, we have to, and they have to give us time so we can know who they are. It takes, uh, you know, both sides to t- sit down and take time. So it did happen between one time. And, and today I laugh because uh, a couple of years ago, the person that actually threw me out of the place calls me up and needs my help. And I serve, I serve the person, you know, but that's my job. You know, I didn't have nothing against the person, um, unfortunately, because she had this persona of what an officer looked like or an experience, it, it reflected on me. I'm not the one to be blamed for it, but it's part of life. So is there something you would tell a person who have never met you, um, but just has this negative stigma? How do you think you could help change their opinion? Learning to change the perspective, being the difference of what they went through. Show them that you are different. Embrace them. 
spend time with them, listening, you know, and that, that, that right there is, is icebreaker. Let's take one minute now to pause and hear from our sponsors. To, to talk more about um, in terms of the youth and what I think we all can agree is the future of this country is the teenagers who are coming up who are unfortunately experiencing their high school years and the middle school years during the COVID pandemic. With everything that's happened and you have a kind of the, the, the shape of schooling changing, um, like today the schools were just announced they're going to be closed until possibly after Thanksgiving. And then you have the possibility of school safety being pulled out of the uh, school buildings. What do you what do you think of this? And if you were given the opportunity to kind of give a solution, what would that solution be? I was a youth officer myself for like three years. I think the presence of officers in the schools are very it's it's good. Um, I think that having an officer in the school gives a sense of security and peace of mind to the parents and students. But I do believe that the interaction between the youth officer and the youth has to be different. Um, let me go and then see how I can make a change and impact the life of these kids. And, and that's where I believe that the right direction should, should go. And I think that would be a big change in the lives of these young men and women. They are, they are our future. You know, we, we have the ability to touch the next generation. How we impact them makes a big difference. So what would you tell a kid who maybe has a negative opinion about police officers. What do you think can be said to them to kind of get them to be trusting and get them on your side? First thing I will ask them is what experience he has had negative with an officer. Uh, I need to find out the whole full story. Um, does it come from home? Does it come from a, a personal experience? And after that, you know, I'll, I'll just try to be his friend, you know, um, try to invest time with him, you know. Um, if he's in the same school as me, you know, um, I, which I've done it before. I, I play basketball with the kids in full uniform. I've done it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I go with them and to, I, I used to escort them to the trips. You know, these go to the Bronx Zoo. I used to go with them to the Bronx Zoo, you know, and just be outside. But just, you know, spend time and talk to them, you know, um, talk about the Lakers game or the, the, the any basketball game. You know, what, what's your favorite team? Uh, I think the best way is to find out what they're interested in. And if you don't know about it, research it show interest and that interest will open the door and that relationship will heal. On the opposite side of the coin, what would you say to a kid who wants to become a police officer? What advice would you give them? That's a very good question. I've had many kids come up to me. Um, I, I tell them that, to be honest with you, this job saved me. Um, this job transformed my life around. It gave me a second chance. Um, looking at the history of my family, this job really gave me the opportunity to be who I am today. It gave me a platform. It told me uh, what is to um, have good tactics, how to look at things differently, how to look at the world different, you know, not everything's black and white, you know, uh, how to be more alert in life. Uh, I would tell a young, young woman that wants to become a cop, I would tell them to uh, embrace the challenge, uh, but to be open for change to not be stuck on just in what we know, but to outsource and learn and research, educate yourself, 
in different cultures, different languages, and different foods. Um, learn how to listen. Take a, a course in therapy, a course in whatever you know, whatever is is it, whatever can enhance you to be a better officer. I encourage that. But I think this is a great job. It's a it's a great opportunity. Uh, and the sky's the limit in this department. Sky's the limit. I've, I've said it so many times. I mean, everything you've said this entire time has like truly been amazing. And I really like appreciate you coming out and, and being able to talk with us because I think this is something that the youth, uh, grownups and the elderly alike need to hear, especially in the time we're going through now with the pandemic and everything. They need to hear this. And I really, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. It's an honor. Thank you so much. All right. This has been Optin NYC. Make sure to subscribe to never miss an episode and rate us five stars wherever you can find us. For Kayla, for John, for Officer Manuel, I am Officer Joe Beletta. Thank you for opting in with us.